Um, that poem was written on the walls of the first prayer room um, that, of the 24-7 prayer movement about 18 years ago. And I think it was written at like 3 a.m. So it was kind of never really meant to um, be made into this amazing video. It was just a man crying out to God um, and trying to make sense of the things that were in his heart. And then last year it got made into this, into this really cool video. Um, and it's, it's moving, isn't it? It's really moving, it's provoking, it is beautiful, and it is disturbing as well. The language is strong in it. We can watch a film like that and, and with anything, as with anything, you have a choice. You can, you can just observe. You can say, that's cool, it's well made. There's some nice shots in it. There's some, some nice sequences. It's a, it's a good poem. It's really inspiring. And, and that is not a wrong response at all. But there is another choice. There's another choice. There's always another choice. You can lean in. You can lean in and learn. And I can guarantee you that if you lean in, if you choose the way of learning, you're going to have some niggling questions that will begin to rise up in you. They're going to filter into your head because that's what they do for me. I watch that film when I, and I, I decide, I, I want to learn from this. I want to choose the way of learning. I want to engage. I want to step into the ring and suddenly I get a little bit uncomfortable. Because these questions come into my head. Do people really live like that? Do people really live like that? Do people really follow Jesus with, with that freedom and that impulse and that abandon? Can we? Can, can I? And do I really want to? If I was fully honest with myself, do I really want to? And how do I do that? How do I do that? Suddenly it becomes very personal. Could we eat caviar on Monday? I've never actually had caviar. I have no idea what it's like, but you get the premise. Could I eat caviar on Monday and crusts on Tuesday and not care? As in, could I have the best of food one day and no food the next day and not be bothered? This one's a good one. Are we as radical on Monday morning as we are on Sunday night? Are we going to be as radical tomorrow? Are we going to be as faith-filled tomorrow as we are here tonight? Are we slaves to the hurting and the dirty and the dying? Do we pray as if it all depends on God and live as if it all depends on on us. Wow, the pressure mounts when you put it like that. You get a little bit uncomfortable in your seat, aware of your own shortcomings and your own fallings and your own failings, acutely aware of the groaning need in our city and in our nation. I would love to answer yes to all those questions, but I don't. None of us do. And we could sit in that tension of wanting to live differently and knowing that we're not and feeling guilty and then not doing anything. Or we could look for a different narrative. So that's what I want us to do tonight. 
I want us to look for a different narrative. So we're finishing up um, a prayer week tonight, like, like Tamsin was saying um, earlier. Maybe you are an old hand when it comes to prayer weeks. Maybe they are totally your bag and you think, I know what to do when I get in that room. It is super easy. Or maybe this was your first time in a prayer room. Maybe you'd never been to a prayer room before or participated in a 24-7 prayer week. And hopefully you're coming out of it thinking, that was the coolest thing I've ever done and I am 100% going to sign up all the time. Um, regardless of how you find it, I, 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 would, I wonder what's going on in your head. I wonder what was going on in your head whenever you left. Um, maybe you're thinking, I didn't even know there was a 24-7 prayer week on. What even is that? Why do we do that? Why is that a thing that we do? Why do we bother? Why do we dedicate a week to praying? Is it just um, because that's what Christians do? So maybe we should do that because that's what, that's what Christians seem to do. They pray a lot. Let's do that. Why do we dedicate a week to praying? And what do we do now? It's over. It's done. What do we do now? Do we, do we close the door and say, that was nice? Or is there something more? Is there something more? Do you know, this was never meant to be a tick box exercise. A 24-7 prayer week was never meant to just be something that we do because that's what big churches do who are well-equipped. These prayers are feeble, whispered prayers. We're never meant to stay in the prayer room. They were never meant to stay in the prayer room. They were never meant to stay confined to a prayer week. And if they do, then we have missed the point. Because we are always being invited into a different way of living. Jesus always invites us into a different way of living. And we're not actually left high and dry in trying to figure out how to do that. Sometimes we think we are, but we're not. We are always given exactly what we need. Jesus gives us some direction. He gives us that different story. I'm going to read from one of the accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible. Um, This is written by a guy called Matthew. It's in the book of Matthew. Um, If you want to read along, it's in chapter 11. at the end of the chapter, or it'll be in the screen behind me. You might just want to listen. So Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Many of you will be familiar with those words. I love those words. They bring, they bring us so much comfort. But to those who first heard them, these words were revolutionary. They were revolutionary. They brought a new truth and a new story and a new way of living to these first hearers. Because these people were exhausted by centuries of searching for truth without resolution. And they were burdened under the heavy weights of religiosity and of regulations and of duties. And Jesus came to end the search. 
He came to lift loads, not to tie them on. He came to fulfill truth and shed light, not perpetuate confusion and darkness. And the instruction, the only stipulation is to come. Come to me. That's what we've done this week. It's part of our prayer week. That's what, that's what we do when we come to pray. We come to Jesus with all our stuff, the good stuff and the bad stuff, with our weights and our burdens and our questions and our confusion and our joys. We come to him as we are and in his presence we can find rest. Our search ends in the presence of Jesus. Our search ends in the presence of Jesus. And very often we stop there. Very often we stop there. When I, um, when I hear people talk about our prayer room, they um, use words like, oh, it's really peaceful and it's really cozy and there's like nice cushions and there's fairy lights and it's, you know, it's just a really nice place to be and there's loads of different types of tea. That's just, by the way, how you spot that you're part of a predominantly middle-class church is whenever there's always the fear that you're going to run out of Earl Grey tea in your prayer room. That, I mean, seriously, you laugh, but I'm not even joking. And all of those things, all of those things are true. Of course it is that place, but it is so much more than that. It is so much more than that. We stop there, but Jesus doesn't. The search ends, but the journey is far from over. This resting is not all there is. Relief is not all there is. It wasn't for the people who first heard this, and it's not for us either. We get to live in a new way. It is a beautiful invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, the rest that you long for. And then take my yoke upon you. In another translation, it says, walk with me and work with me. Walk with me and work with me. This resting, this relief in the presence of Jesus causes us, and more than that, it also enables us to get to our feet. We are invited into something that is endlessly and wonderfully restorative, but it is also productive. It is restorative and productive. We step over the threshold of a prayer room. We step into God's presence daily. We say yes to him. And we are taking the first steps into a way of life that will change us. And will change the lives of those around us bit by bit. Step by step. If we let it. It is often a slow work. The best works are. I stepped into my first prayer room about 14 years ago and I'm still in the wake of the journey that that began. In fact, I am probably standing here today because of what happened to me on the floor of a prayer room as a 15-year-old in the middle of Belfast. And you know, it's not because of the place. 
It's not because it was cool or because it was something new that I had experienced and I'd never seen people worship like that or, or I'd never seen that creativity before. It wasn't even because it was an excuse to stay up late and no one could argue with you because you were praying. You know, that was always good. At, like if you ever went to youth conferences and you were like, you know, trying to sneak about late and you'd be like, I'm just going to the prayer room. And they'd be like, cool. And you go, I can't argue with you whether you were actually going or not. That's up to you. You can deal with that yourself if you're like feeling a little bit guilty there. Um, I was already a Christian when I went there. I, I already knew Jesus. But when I went there, I found something new. I found something that I had never experienced before. I found a deep rest for my soul. Not just my body, not just my mind. In the place of prayer, I find that the deepest part of myself was known. That Jesus wanted to know me. I was welcomed in and my search ended. But when I entered into the rest of the presence of Jesus, that wasn't all I got. I was welcomed into a new rhythm of of living with Jesus and I began to learn to fall into step with him, to live my life learning how to walk with him and how to work with him because prayer is not a stationary thing. Prayer is not a stationary thing. It is not an isolated thing. We get to join Jesus in his work a work that he is already doing. We get to walk with him and we get to work with him. Us, together. Like Carl was talking about last week, we get to do this together. We get to pray as if it all depends on God because it does. And we get to live as if it all depends on us because that is now our joy. Do you know the word depend means to be trusted with, to be trusted with. Do you know that Jesus trusts you? He trusts you. He doesn't say, take my yoke upon you if you're popular or important enough. He doesn't say, walk with me and work with me if you fit the bill. If you say the right things or you look the right way. You worship in the right way or whatever. When he says, walk with me and work with me, that's it. And he really means it. He really means it. I was was in Birmingham last weekend. Every time I say the word Birmingham, I have the need to say Birmingham in a Birmingham accent. Does anyone else have that? No? Like Birmingham? It's good, isn't it? Um, so I was in Birmingham last weekend, and I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. I had never been to Birmingham before. Um, I went with um, very low expectations. I really wasn't expecting much, but it's actually a really nice place. So if you're from Birmingham, I'm sorry that I thought your city wasn't very nice. Um, I confess that to you now, and I say that I am, I am reformed, and Birmingham is lovely. Um, you should all go there. It's a, it's, it's a nice place. But um, while as much as I liked Birmingham, Google Maps did not like Birmingham. Because I don't know if you've ever used the app on your phone and the little blue dot is like never on the road. It's in like a river or it's like in some random bit in between roads, which is not a road. And if you don't know the city, you kind of spend the whole time being like, 
where am I? I have no idea where I'm meant to be going. It can be very disconcerting if you're in a place that you don't know. Um, I just, I don't know how we coped before Google Maps, you know? I do remember times before Google Maps, but I don't know how we coped without Google Maps. I don't know how I coped without that little blue dot to just follow. Sometimes I even use it in Edinburgh, even though I know where I'm going. I just, it's like, take me where I'm going, Google. Show me the way. Um, and um, when I see people today using paper maps, my mind just, I see them. I've seen people in Edinburgh use paper maps. My mind is just like completely boggled. I kind of want to go up to them and be like, who are you? You know, where are you from? Like, have you heard of, of, of like GPS? You don't even need 3G or 4G to use it. I kind of want to like evangelize to them about Google Maps. I just think, what is wrong with you? Like, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Maybe I should go talk to those people. Um, but we, you know, we do that, don't we? We clutch to our phones um, wherever we are, even in familiar places. We clutch to them in unfamiliar places and familiar places, and we let it dictate our route. We let it tell us where to go, even the length of our journey. Even the length of our journey is dictated to us by our phones. And we miss so much. We miss so much. The message translation of this scripture says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. We cannot keep our eyes on Jesus. We cannot watch how he does it if our attention is somewhere else. If we are allowing something or someone else to dictate our route, if we are clutching to our own dog-eared maps, then we will spend our lives either falling behind or trying to catch up. When we pray, whether we know it or not, we have the opportunity, the invitation to fall into step with Jesus. We get refocused and retuned. We learn to go at his pace, to joyfully surrender our plans and our agendas into his hands so that ours are free to get about the business that he has set out for us to do. There's a wise man in the Bible called Paul. He wrote lots of good things. In one of his letters um, to a church in Ephesus, he said this, for we are his workmanship. In another translation, it says masterpiece. We are his workmanship or his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have finished our prayer week. And we will tonight. But the business of prayer is far from over. It's just been rebooted. I'm going to read the last bit of that vision poem again before we spend some time responding. And this vision will be, it will come to pass. And it will come easily. It will come soon. How do I know? Because this is the longing of creation itself. 
the groaning of the spirit, the very dream of God. How amazing is that? We get to participate in the very dream of God. And my feeble, whispered, faithless prayer invokes a thunderous, resounding, bone-shaking, great amen from countless angels, from heroes of the faith, from Christ himself. And he's the original dreamer, the ultimate winner, guaranteed. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you are the original dreamer and the ultimate winner. And that your victory is guaranteed. That there is nothing we face in our lives that you have not already won for us. There is nothing that is out of your grasp or out of your reach. And that you take whatever we give you. You take our feeble, whispered prayers. You take the things that we don't even really believe ourselves. You take our small bits of faith and you turn them into something miraculous and you welcome us to be a part of it. Thank you that you promise us rest. Rest for our souls. Rest from this world which wearies us that we can find rest in your presence, but that we are not hidden away, that you catapult us out into this world and help us to live in a different way, a way that changes this nation, this city, that changes our friendship groups, that changes our workplaces, It changes our flats, our homes, our families. So at the end of this prayer week, Jesus, we say yes to you. We say yes to you. We say yes to your invitation. We will walk with you and we will work with you. We will pray like it all depends on you because it does. Will you help us to live as the ones that you trust, as if it all depends on us? Because that is our joy.